your name The morning breaks in glory At your name Creation sings your story At your name Angels will bow The earth will rejoice Your people cry out Lord of all the earth We shout your name, shout your name Filling the skies with endless praise, endless praise Only our way We love to shout your name, oh Lord At your name The morning breaks in glory At your name Creation sings your story At your name Angels will bow The earth will rejoice Your people cry out
Good morning, MVCC. My name is Cassidy and I serve on the worship team here. We're so excited to have you with us here this morning and spend some time in the Word together. If you're new with us this morning and you want to get connected, go ahead and click on the link below that opens into a Connect card. Fill that out or text CONNECT to the number on your screen. Something that's kept my spirits high during this weird time is continuing to, to serve. We've had multiple opportunities like the food drive and the blood drive to do that. And there's still more opportunities. So if you're interested, click on the serve button below. Lastly, we've tried to make giving as easy as possible during these times. Go ahead and click on the link below, go to our app, or go to our website. The last couple of weeks, Pastor Mike has been walking us through 1 Peter. We are super excited to hear what he has to say this morning, so let's jump in. Well, good morning and welcome to Mission Vale Christian Church. And I want to get right into the Word today. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to 1 Peter chapter 4. We're going to be in verses 12 through 19. If you don't have your Bible, that's cool. Uh, it'll be on the screen for you. But uh, I've entitled the series Beyond the 52. And the Beyond the 52 basically is about Christianity following Christ is much more than just attending a service on Sunday morning. It's, it's our whole life. It's everything that we are following Christ. And as we follow Christ, um, sometimes we will go through suffering and pain, and we may have to go through fiery trials, but we never want to lose sight of our faith in Christ. So I've entitled this message out of chapter 4, It Wasn't Supposed to Be This Way. I, I just believe that God wants to do something fresh. He wants to do something new by the Holy Spirit power. He wants to renew our love for Him, our faith for Him, where we are revived to live a whole different style of Christianity, the one that's not just knowing the Word of God, but living the Word. And that means being in a dangerous place sometimes that might be of uncertainty and conflict, but I believe can bring peace and joy and gives us the ability to rejoice even when we're going through a fiery trial. I'm remembering back in the day when I first gave my life to Christ about 30 years ago, 
Um, we were uh, coming home from a Bible study, a college group Bible study. I was about 17 and a half years old at the time. And we were leaving that place, about five or six of us going to Denny's restaurant. We sat down, ordered our meal. And as we ordered the meal, the guys that we're all together with from the same Bible study, we just, you know, clasped hands together and he said, hey man, let's just pray for the food and thank God. And in this prayer, he just was thanking the Lord. It came from the heart. We opened our eyes and we began to dig into our food. Uh, A couple of guys over uh, in the next booth were just laughing and jeering, even throwing over French fries across the way. And they were just yelling, saying things like, oh, I guess you guys are going to praise the Lord. And I remember when I heard that, because I'd only known Jesus for like three months, I wanted to jump across the next booth and like tackle the guy and just like, you can't talk that way about Jesus. And I remember as I was just, you know, getting angst up about this, my friend just kind of quietly put his hand uh, on my shoulder and he said, let me handle this. And uh, because he was uh, following Christ for a while, there was this quiet confidence and there was even this uh, rejoicing that he had. It was all internal. It was nothing that was made up or fake. It was very genuine. And I still remember to this day in that experience, in that very booth at Denny's restaurant, I remember saying to myself, man, I want to have that same kind of rejoicing, that confidence. I think sometimes, you know, we think, well, if I do good and if I try to be good and try to do the right thing and, you know, read my Bible and go to church and give some money and all that, my life should go a certain way. But that's not necessarily the case. If, if Jesus suffered, then we oftentimes will have to suffer. And even going through some fiery trials because we live for Christ can bring us even closer to relationship with him. God thought it was so important that we understand this, that 21 times in these two letters, Peter specifically wrote about, you will have to go through some suffering. So I want to get right to it here in 1 Peter 4. Again, if you have your Bibles, you can follow along. And it's, uh, we're going to be picking it up here in verse 12. He says this, dear friends, and I love the way Peter just expresses through the Holy Spirit inspiration. We are all friends in this together. Do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. And if you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed for the spirit of the glory of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be as a, as a murderer, thief, or any other kind of criminal, or even as a meddler. But however, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear that name. I just want to stop here for a moment. And what I think Peter is reminding the believers of that day, and what I believe the Spirit of God is reminding us is two things. Don't be surprised when you go through a fiery trial and do not be scared. We got to remember that when this was written, it was written to a very specific time that the, the believers in that day were going through all kinds of uncertainty, pain, even torture, difficult times, not knowing what was going to happen in the future. And, and I think Peter was reminding, through them, uh, reminding them through this letter in the first few chapters, hey, look, don't forget that you were redeemed. Remember that in the first chapter, he reminds us that Through Jesus' death and his resurrection, if we receive that, we are redeemed, we are changed, we are renewed. In fact, you've been given a new birth into a living hope, he says. Remember that Jesus is the cornerstone of the spiritual house that he's building in your life. And as together we are living stones, we are living, breathing, active followers of Christ. We together make a house of God 
hopefully that people can see. So don't be surprised when you go through suffering and pain, even if you try to live your life as a Christian. I'm reminded, as most of us remember 9-11, the tragic story of a Christian family. Uh, One guy was um, boarding the plane and to Pennsylvania, you know that, um, that plane that crashed in Pennsylvania on 9-11, he was able to get on his cell phone with his wife on Flight 93, and the words were something like this, the plane has been hijacked, they have a bomb, and they've already killed one passenger. Please pray. And as it was written, his wife wrote her testimony about what had happened that day. Unfortunately, as that plane went down and crashed, She thought to herself in that moment, we have good kids, we have good jobs, we live in America, we try to do our best, we follow Christ. This shouldn't be happening. It shouldn't have been like this. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know maybe what you've been through, and we certainly don't know what tomorrow holds. But I do believe in that moment, as she wrote her testimony about her husband's tragic death, that even in that moment, she was able to rejoice And she was able to have this quiet confidence of peace in the midst of this worst trial of her life. The question is, how how can we get there? Back in the day when this was written, Rome was undergoing this fiery trial. In fact, the entire city had burnt down in 64 AD. And so the ruler, the emperor of that day, his name was Nero. He was a bad dude. He was a bad guy. And so um, most of the citizens of that day, they knew that Nero was bad. And so they thought, well, Nero, on purpose, he burnt the city down because he wanted new streets, he wanted new buildings, and he certainly wanted a new palace, and he wanted to tax us even more. So we, we see behind the, the facade, this guy must have done this. Well, he knew that the Christians were th- thinking this, and even the non-believing people in his city were thinking this. So he thought, well, we'll turn the tables We'll make up a story that the Christians burnt the city down and we'll start an onslaught against believers and these false accusations began to fall into place. And that's why he decided to destroy Christians, destroy Christianities, um, throw them into the lion's den and just all horrible, all kinds of horrible things that he did to the believers of that day. And that unleashed a 20 year reign of terror against the believers of that day. So that's why he says, I believe in this text. Look, don't be surprised, but also don't be scared. There will always be evil around us until Jesus comes. For, for only reasons that God knows, he allows us to go through certain things. But when we go through those difficult times because we have taken a stand for Jesus Christ, let us rejoice. Let us have that quiet confidence. That's why in uh, the book of James verses uh, chapter 1 verses 2 through 4, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, for when you face trials of many kinds, you know that the testing of your faith will develop perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. And I just believe that God may allow these fiery trials to come in to test us, to keep us humble, but also we rely more on Jesus. We become more dependent. If God can do one thing, he can certainly communicate to, the, to us through the word of God that even the apostle Paul, the great apostle Paul who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he asked God, take this fiery trial away from me, these, these thorns that inflict me. Really what he's saying is, God, I can't handle this. And God said to him, 
my grace is not only sufficient to save you, we are saved by God's grace through faith, but my grace is sufficient to get you through the fiery trial. Boy, I tell you, that brings a lot of confidence on the inside to know that if Jesus can save me, and we know that he saves us by the death and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ, but if he can save me, then he can get me through that. And he can use this maybe help somebody else to see the goodness of God in the simple gospel plan. So we can choose to rejoice even though we don't feel like rejoicing when we're in a fiery trial. That's why I like verse 14 when it tells us and it reminds us that the Spirit of the Lord is on us. The Spirit of the Lord rests on us. And I don't know how to exactly make that happen other than the fact that an obedient heart and a passion to live for Jesus and a passion to know Christ The Spirit of the Lord hovers on that person. And when they are persecuted and downgraded, God can give them the Spirit to be able to rejoice and thank God for all that. And that's why in verse 17, he goes on here. We'll just pick it up. For it is time for judgment to begin with God's household. And if he begins with us, what will be the outcome uh, for those who do not obey the gospel of God? And if it's hard for the righteous to be saved, what will become of the ungodly and the sinner? So then those who suffer according to God's will should commit themselves to their faithful creator and continue to do good. It's difficult for us to to experience these fiery trials and and, and to have that rejoicing and have that quiet confidence that he's encouraging us to have. But what about for those that are lost? What about for those that don't have the hope of Christ? He's saying here, verse 19, that should spur us on to commit even more. I love what he says there at the end of this section in verse 19 that so then those who suffered according to the will of God should commit themselves to their faithful creator. The more fiery the trial, the more difficult, the more pain, the more suffering that we have to go through because we've shared the gospel with somebody, because we maybe prayed outside, maybe because we've encouraged somebody or invited somebody to church and they turned on us or a relationship was left or or we lost somebody that we love because of Christ, it should spur us on to commit to him even more. That's why I remember when I was in in Bible seminary sitting in class and they had uh, the professor that day couldn't make it. And so they had a, a professor that stepped into the classroom. There was maybe about 25 of us in that room. And I just remember this dear old man, that elderly man that walked into the room and he says, Hi, uh, my name is such and such and I'm going to be taking the class today. And come to find out his story was that he was a missionary to Romania. And he and his wife decided that they were going to live for Jesus. They weren't just going to talk about Jesus and they weren't just going to read the Bible, but they were so convicted because of what Jesus had done in their lives that they wanted to take the message of the gospel to their homeland in Romania. Well, back in the day, it was against the law to go there and let alone be a missionary there. And so they realized that when they went back to Romania, they may never come home to the United States of America. And I just remember as he told his story, it was so real. It was so authentic. It it was so genuine. We just, we jumped into his story. And as he began to explain that they caught he and his wife teaching Bible studies in the basements of homes where it was dark and literally they had to memorize scripture because they couldn't carry a Bible in that day, that that he was so devoted to the people of God that the soldiers came in and arrested him and separated he and his wife in two different cells. And as he began to tell his story, how he was beaten and tortured for Christ, 
And you can even read stories about his life in a book that he wrote called Tortured for Christ. I'll never forget at the end of his message, at the end of his story, he talked about how he could rejoice sitting in a rat-infested cell that was cold and lifeless and often gone days without food and water, and how this quiet confidence that he had and the fact that he could choose to rejoice in the fact that he knew Jesus and that Jesus went through the same kind of suffering that gave him the victory. I'm, I'm reminded about also, you may have heard about 23 Korean Christians that uh, were captured in Afghanistan for preaching the gospel of Christ. And it wasn't necessarily that they were standing behind a wooden podium, but they were just sharing the gospel of Christ out of the love that they had for the people in Afghanistan. Well, they were captured and for days on end, they were tortured and ridiculed. And finally, the day came when it seemed that they were going to lose their lives, all 23 of them. And one of the women in that moment began to take out of her back pocket a small pocket Bible and she began to tear the pages of scripture up and even those Christians that were there with her thought, what in the world is she doing? And she passed the pages of scripture out and she said, shh, just shh, take the Bible with you. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. We need to have the word of God with us. And the pastor immediately spoke up and said, look, if anyone's going to die first, it's going to be me. I'll give my life up first because I love him so much and I'm committed to what he's given us, the good news of Jesus Christ. And every single one of them were tortured to the very death. And at the end of that, their stories lived on. And the stories lived on where they were able to rejoice in that moment. They were able to have, again, that confidence, knowing that they were counted worthy, like he says here, suffering for the good news of Jesus Christ. I just think it's at those moments that when we suffer for the good news of Christ, and it may be, you know, suffering is relative. We may be going through a fiery trial because of Christ. And I just believe it's at those very moments that Jesus is the closest to us. That we don't have to be surprised and we don't have to be afraid. That's the Jesus that I want to follow. Knowing that we're covered by the blood. We're covered because of what he did. I just want to draw our attention to um, what we can do out of all this. I, I just think that the word of God speaks it uh, the most clear here, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn over with me to Philippians chapter 3. And um, just a couple of verses here about someone who was definitely not a stranger to torture and suffering and pain because he loved Jesus with all his heart. And that was the Apostle Paul. He says, But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord for whose sake I have lost all things I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law but that which is through faith in Christ I, I, I love his words here because the apostle Paul and the apostle Peter they knew torture they knew pain they knew suffering but nothing could ever strip them away of the surpassing greatness of knowing Jesus and knowing that the gospel of Jesus Christ saves lives. Jesus said, I have come to seek and save the lost. It ought to be the passion and it ought to be the driving force in every believer's life to live our lives in such a way that we are a witness to those who are dying and lost and without hope. That the gospel of Jesus Christ saves people. It saves them. 
because of the work of Jesus on the cross and the fact that he rose from the dead, we can have that same confidence and we can have joy in the midst of a fiery trial. So what are some things that we can do out of all this? I know for myself, I, I'm, I've made a choice to rejoice. I made a choice to rejoice in a difficult situation and rejoice even more the fact that maybe I shared Christ with somebody or prayed for someone or invited someone to church or, you know, entered into a relationship with a family member and, and just shared the love of Jesus and they may turn on us or laugh at us or whatever. We can make a choice to rejoice because we know Him and we know that Jesus has a wonderful place in heaven in store for all of us. I think this, the second thing is knowing that we are counted worthy when we suffer for the gospel. Jesus is worthy and he poured into us his very life and so therefore we can be counted worthy of following Jesus and we can choose to rejoice. I think also um, having um, community in our life that when we're going through pain and difficulty and suffering, that we can identify with someone and call upon them when we need help and we can choose to rejoice together. I've, I've often heard that worshiping, worshiping our way out of a situation is the best way to go, that we can worship our way out. That means literally saying to the Lord, I praise you in the midst of this trial, even though I don't like it, even though it's painful, I choose to worship you and praise you, Lord. I, I just in closing heard, uh, um, one of our members at MVCC decided that uh, they were going to live their life for Christ. And because of that, um, their daughter decided that they were going to cut off their grandchildren from this person. He waited 14 years, 14 years to see his grandson. And this week was the week and was all because of for the sake of Christ. And this week was the week that he got to get on the phone with his grandson and for the very first time have a conversation with him. If, if I could have brought all of you into that room and experienced the joy, and, and I remember as he was explaining and sharing his story, he said, you know what, Mike? He said, I never lost sight, even though I wanted to flood my bed with tears at night because I missed my grandson and wanted to see him and wanted to talk to him. I never lost sight of rejoicing in that moment, knowing that God's got to have a plan for this. And at the end of the conversation, his grandson said, Grandpa, I love you. It was at that moment he knew it was all worth it because he knew that sharing Christ with his grandson was the greatest of all. You know, there was another lady in our church, and there's so many cool things. I wish I had time, but I'll just close with this last one too, that um, heard that there were some children that were suffering for Christ because they um, did not have food on the table and their foster parents could not, because they lost their jobs, could not put food on their table as well. And so... Um, she decided that she was going to grab some supplies and grab some food and that she was going to drive uh, a meal over to one meal over to these two families. And I asked her, well, where are you going? And she said, well, I'm, I'm driving to Moreno Valley. I said, you're driving all the way to Moreno Valley to bring f a meal for two families? I said, that is awesome. And she said the whole way, when she reported back what happened, the whole way she was driving in you know, this 92 degree weather heat that was all the way out in Marina Valley, she was rejoicing all the way that, Lord, I'm just giving this meal to you in the form of this family. So I, I don't know where this lands, but I just believe the more that we serve Jesus, it might become dangerous. It might become more skeptical from others that are watching us. And, and to, not, to not be surprised when we go through those trials and to not be scared. It, you know, deciding to follow Jesus is the best decision, decision that you can ever make. 
And if you've made a decision to follow Jesus, there's going to be some information at the end of this message. And I just want to say on behalf of our entire ministry team, um, deciding to follow Jesus is the best thing you could ever do. And we'd love to help you on that decision. Well, I look forward to uh, unpacking 1 Peter with you at the next uh, time that we're together. Same time, same channel, same website. And we just look forward to seeing you. Have an amazing week until we meet again. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. If you found Pastor Mike's message to be encouraging and helpful, we hope that you would share it with a friend who needs to hear the good news of Jesus Christ. May God bless you and we'll see you next week.